guys, welcome back to the Field Trips podcast. This is episode two and it is going to be all about my recent trip to Hong Kong, which was actually probably almost a month ago now. It would have, yeah, I would have gotten back a month ago, which is ridiculous that it's taken me this long to sit down and record it. But because the audio as I always knew it would be was imperfect. Well, in that it's pretty like fragmented and doesn't make sense on its own. I knew I'd have to sit down and kind of give it some context. So that's what I'm going to do today. So I was in Hong Kong for about seven days and We did such a diverse range of things. I was not expecting how diverse Hong Kong is. First of all, just to kick this all off, I am obsessed with Hong Kong. It was the coolest place. It was, I don't know even how to describe like what made me love it so much. I think just because it's so diverse, but the diversity is really accessible. So you don't have to go out of the city into like really remote parts to like really experience what Hong Kong is because the life there is so centered around the condensed city environment I guess while that's like not all that there is to Hong Kong it's just such a big part of it that you really do get to experience what it's like without having to you know go into the very outermost regions so that was probably my favorite part about it the food, oh my gosh, so many dumplings, just everything. And I think because people, that, well, there is a lot of English-speaking people in Hong Kong that are either Western or can speak English, so it made it really easy. I know it's not always like that when you're traveling, but, you know, one in five trips when it is like that, it just makes things go really smoothly and you can often do things with less planning and a bit more spontaneously because you know that it's actually going to be quite easy to make it all happen. So yeah, we were there, well I was there for seven days and I thought I would take you through, like I have some recording from while I was there, so I thought I'd kind of give you a bit of an overview of each day and then play for you the recording that I took while I was there so that you kind of understand the context that it's in. So the first recordings that I have are from the night before I left and they move into being at the airport and then landing in Hong Kong. All right, it is Monday night and I'm ready to go. I think, guys, I've packed my bag, I've watched half of The Voice, because now I need to go to sleep, because I need to be up at 4am tomorrow. So, at this point, I'm feeling pretty confident that I have everything, but, you know, we'll probably only find out if that's correct, like, in a week's time. So, let's just see how we go in the morning. So I'm just throwing things around my room at the moment to try and like get myself ready. In the morning, all I've got to do now is get up, get dressed, go. (laughs) Hopefully. I hope that's all I have to do because that is all the time that I'm giving myself 
in terms of like setting my alarm. So we'll see how we go. Okay, so I've just gotten through airport security and I'm just having breakfast. So we'll have a carbon on toast um, and a coffee. But I still have an hour before I go and I need to go find something better. So let's I'll update you on that situation because I have no idea where else we're going to go. This experience is low-key traumatic. To begin, there is so much white noise, I can't cope, and I apologise. Second of all, I just heard a man ask the person he was talking to on the phone to send him a quick SMS. What is this? Like 2002? I just don't know what's going on. And I've given up looking for Ventolin because, to be honest, the chances are slim and I... I think my my only choice at this point is like does scotch do the same thing as Ventolin because there's a lot of that not a lot of it not a lot of burger not a lot of Ventolin so awesome if I die in Hong Kong it's gonna be from an asthma attack also just asking for a friend where the hell is Esprinto Sprintuto no. Espiritu Santo. That is not a real place. It's not real, but check-in is open, so... Or speak to a crew member. Whether you're starting your journey or coming home, welcome aboard. If you need anything, just ask the crew. They're here to help, so follow their instructions at all times. Have a great life. Thank you for choosing Qantas, the spirit of Australia. Okay, well, now that's done, I can go back to watching Mary Poppins Returns. Okay, so here I am, in Hong Kong, with the aftermath of a migraine. Trying to find my bag. Which is on a carousel with people from Phuket, so that's fun. Also, by the way, it turns out... I didn't need a visa because I completely forgot about that before I came and then I was like literally just going through immigration and I mean I just thought look if I need one he'll bring it up and he didn't so that's something good to know if you're coming on Hong Kong on a holiday don't need a visa I think you just automatically get it Right, so I flew from Brisbane Airport to Hong Kong Airport and I left at about 10, 10.30 in the morning from Brisbane and I landed, oh, I can't even remember now, sometimes at, mm, sometime around 6pm. I want to say maybe I landed more like 5 but by the time I was actually through customs and got out it was about 6pm I think. Going from Hong Kong airport into central Hong Kong is one of the easiest trips I've ever made overseas. Honestly, it was so simple. Um, the first thing you want to do is get an octopus card. I feel like anywhere you read about Hong Kong, that's the first thing people will tell you to do. And it's not, well, it is like a go card for Queensland, but actually useful and actually makes your life easier, pretty much. It just means you load it up. You don't have to worry about 
knowing the station you need to get to or like you don't have to worry about booking your ticket or getting it wrong you just tap it when you get on tap it when you get off and it's so simple and again every time you tap it it will tell you what your balance is and so you can kind of keep track of it Um, but you can only top them up with cash so you have to make sure you know you've got some on you if you get to the train station or to the metro to the MTR and you need to top it up you can only do it with cash through the machines and I have a feeling you can only do it with like bigger notes I can't I wish I could remember I just know like you couldn't put all your loose change in to top them up (laughs) that's what I remember the most Um, and it is really cheap to take the MTR I mean from for the airport express it's probably about 15 to 20 Australian dollars I want to say more like 20 but then as soon as you're in central Hong Kong to go from I want to say maybe three stops I think it I worked out it cost me like 70 cents or something like 70 Australian cents so it's extremely cheap and so efficient and you really can get most places you need to be and if you don't take the MTR or like sometimes it can once you're in the station about to get on the train it is really efficient but obviously Hong Kong is so big that sometimes the station can have five different exits so you could potentially come in and exit that it's like 500 meters walk like underground all the way down to the end so figuring out the exits that you've got to be at is really helpful because it just makes your life so so much easier and everything so much quicker but that's easy to figure out on a map and stuff like that because it will show you each exit and then the station underground so it makes it easier for you and all the signs are in English so once you get off the train as long as you know what major attraction is around where you want to go there are big signs that say you know take exit B if you're going to Temple Street Markets or whatever like Causeway Bay Times Square all that different stuff it'll actually point you in the direction so it makes it so much easier for you to sort of navigate so when I got there I got on the airport express well I bought my octopus card I topped it up got on the airport express and met Debbie at was it Hong Kong station I think which is just in central Hong Kong and then we got in a taxi to her place in Happy Valley which is where I was staying so Debbie was house sitting for a friend which meant I could stay in her flat which was so helpful it made the trip so easy because it it's like I suppose staying in an Airbnb you just have all the normal facilities of a home so it makes things well I'm I prefer it to staying in a hotel so we got to Debbie's dropped off my stuff and then just got changed quickly and we went out for dinner and I wish I could remember oh um it was the Pullman the Pullman Hotel P-U-L-M-A-N it might be two L's but the Pullman Hotel in Causeway Bay is that where we were? Yes. Pullman Hotel in Causeway Bay is where we went for dinner and a drink. And it had like this really awesome rooftop bar. Um, and once you walk in, it's one of those hotels that has like a restaurant, a bar, a meeting room. So you don't have to obviously be staying in the hotel to go in. So you go up, turn right, go up the lift and you get to the bar at the top. And it was so cool. I'll include pictures in the visual guide for like on the website so you can see but you essentially are looking off if you think of in front of you is the ocean that goes through Hong Kong it probably has a name but it's just that strip of ocean that splits Hong Kong Island and Kowloon and if we're 
facing. So from where you are, that's Hong, Hong Kong Island, and we're looking across at Kowloon. Or maybe we weren't in. Maybe we weren't in Causeway Bay. Oh no, we were. We're okay. I do. <laughs> I'm like geographically. This is messing with my head, but. So if you're sitting here, Hong Kong Island is here, Causeway Bay is down to the right, Central Hong Kong is sort of more to the middle, and then you're looking out across Kowloon, TST, Mongkok, all of that. And it was, you can see, like, the whole city on the Hong Kong Island side and then all of, like, the skyline of Kowloon. And it was just so cool and such a cool way to spend, like, my very first night in Hong Kong. So we had drinks and some burgers and then... I went to bed pretty much. It was, I was pretty exhausted. So we had a relatively relaxed first night and just kind of caught up with Debbie and had some dinner, which was awesome. And then the next day we had planned to go to the peak, which is on Hong Kong Island. It's like essentially the island. It goes from the ocean, city, and then like, I don't even know if it's a mountain. I don't know if it's big enough to be a mountain, but this huge hill behind you that when you climb, you can see like even better view from the bar because you're at the very back of Hong Kong Island so you can see all down the front and then to Kowloon as well and back you can sort of start to see where Kowloon stretches far I mean you can't see I don't think you would be able to see mainland China from there but you start to see like just how big Kowloon is and how vast it is. So before we went to the peak, I woke up earlier the next day, which was Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. You wouldn't even think that I've been on this trip. So I woke up on Wednesday, went out early to find a coffee. And this was, I probably walked maybe a kilometer, not even that. Um, but then I sat down in a coffee shop for a coffee and some breakfast. And this is what I recorded while I was there. All right, we are now already at Wednesday. Oh my gosh, that took me so long to remember. So it's currently Wednesday. That's it. <laughs> um, I slept in a little bit this morning, but not much. I was still up at like 5.30 Hong Kong time because that's 7.30 in Australia and that is like an epic sleep in for me at home. So I was up and ready to go, but feeling surprisingly not that tired. Um, and it's not raining today, which is also good, but it's very hot. Well, no, sorry, it's very humid. But I'm about to go and get a coffee from a place Debbie pointed out down the road. And then I don't actually fully know what I'm going to do after that. But I'm going to take some things to write and read. And I think that will do me. Pretty much I just really need a coffee and that's kind of my main goal right now is just to do what I need to do to um to make that happen. So I need my keys. What do I, I feel like I'm forgetting so many things. It's so cold in here because of the aircon that I've been wearing a jumper but I for sure don't need it. Okay. Oh my camera, that's what I was trying to remember. All right, I think that's the lot, you know? 
Hong Kong is loud, but I love it. You definitely don't come here for the quiet kind of peace, but there's an anonymous kind of peace that is equally as good, I think. Also, I low-key feel like Lewis Litt speaking into my voice recorder every time that I want to remember something. So sitting down at this little curbside, what you see is really just a lot of residential buildings, I'd say. Happy Valley, where I'm staying, is a really residential area, but at the same time, it's like a neighbourhood, so there's a lot of, like, not a lot, sorry, but there is, like, some shops and cafes, but kind of in the way that you might find, like, in those little corners in little suburbs in Brisbane, and they've got, like, a collection of shops. It's kind of like that, but they're just more singular ones spread out. Um, and a lot of empty shop fronts. And a, a heck of a lot of Teslas, to be honest. First impression of Hong Kong, many a Tesla. <laughs> many a pink Tesla, actually. And oh my gosh, the world's cutest dog is coming towards me. I think he has an injury, though. His back legs look sore. Oh, he's so cute. He's like a Scotty dog. So what I was saying before that cute dog came past is I'm having breakfast now and then I'm going to meet Debbie at 9 o'clock and then we're going on a walk. But she called a family hike, so as in not very hard, but we might jog some of it. So we'll just see how I go with that. But we're going to go on this hike and then have lunch and then I will have some time to sort of walk around and explore central Hong Kong Island for a little bit and then who knows what's happening oh no I do know I know what's happening and then tonight we're going to the races but Debbie said <laughs> the races in Hong Kong are a bit more low-key than in Australia That night we went to the races. I don't really have any recording from that. I totally forgot, like there are so many parts of this trip that I just recorded nothing. But I have lots of photos, lots of videos, so there's definitely, I feel like I captured every part, just all in different formats. So we went to the races, which was really, really cool. It's in the middle of Happy Valley and just surrounded by like skyscraping apartment blocks, which is pretty much all of Hong Kong. But the races are a bit more low-key, I would say, than in Australia. Um, they're more of like a social thing that people go to every Wednesday night. So we went there, hung out. We had some dinner in a French bar that, why can't I remember its name? It's in Happy Valley. It's on like the front stretch of Happy Valley right near the tram station. St. Germain. That's it. It's called St. Germain amazing such beautiful food and is so cute inside it's like emerald green and cream and it was awesome the next morning we decided to go to stanley which is a little beachside town maybe a half an hour drive from happy valley it's sort of up over the peak i don't think it's technically the peak but you drive up and around and it's on the coast on the other side of hong kong island and it was so relaxing and this is what I recorded the morning after we went. Alright, 
Good morning, guys. It's been a little while since I did the last recording, I think. Um, it is now Thursday morning. Yesterday was so fun, but I just completely was in another world, so I totally forgot to record anything. Um, but we went down to Stanley, and we sat by the beach for a bit. Then we had, like, a look through the Stanley... I don't know if they're markets, because they're kind of, like, permanent, but they're, like, market-style things. Had a look through there, and then we came back... And it was so relaxing. Like, it was just, it was really quiet in Stanley. There weren't a lot of people around. So maybe that was what added to it. But today we are going to, I think, Llama Island. And the sky's looking pretty good. At least no rain. That's all we need. <laughs> all we need is no rain. Um, so we're going to Llama Island. I think we're going to do a hike. It just looks, yeah, I've never been, but what? From what I can see, it just looks so cute. It's like a fishing, sorry, it's got like fishing villages and all of that. You catch the ferry across from Central, I think, or somewhere near Central. So that is what we're going to be up to this morning. But it's currently 8.45 and I'm just going to go get a coffee and then I'm going to meet Debbie. I think we're going to leave at about 10. So got a little bit of time to do some exploring. This lift has got to be the cutest thing I've ever seen. It's so old, but it's cute. Hang on, okay, I'm gonna film it now and then I'll put it on my IGTV so you can see it. That is the grand total of everything I recorded while I was over there. In terms of audio clips anyway, I think because where we were was so visually beautiful, like especially from Llama Island onwards, they were all quite unique experiences. I was just so obsessed with videoing everything, but then realized I don't have a lot of audio, but that's fine because I figured now I can just sort of talk through it explain like practically how you go about it and then once I upload my IGTV video you'll be able to physically see everything I was talking about but I will include photos of each place that we went in the visual guide. So when we went to Llama Island it was so beautiful we went with one of Debbie's friends who's also named Alexa first second uh, no yes second Alexa I've ever met in my life she was so lovely and she's grew up on She's growing up. Wow. She grew up in Hong Kong and was so helpful. So we got to Llama Island and once you get there, you take the ferry from Central, I think. I think it's like Pier 4 or I don't know, one of the piers in Central Hong Kong. And it's about half an hour, but I'm not even joking. You like cross the real ocean. Like Llama Island was more... Oh, I was about to say it was more further away oh my gosh it was much further away than I expected it to be in terms of like 
actually across a huge ocean chasm, so it felt, where like big ships go through pretty much <laughs> I'll show you this photo I'll include it in the visual guide and I think I have a video as well so it might be in the IGTV of this enormous like container ship with like I want to say like over a thousand shipping containers when I look at the picture I'll probably do the maths and be like okay that was either like definitely a lot more or definitely a lot less but it was huge and when you looked at it you didn't really realize how much how many containers were on it until you just focused in on one and I was like that is one entire shipping container and it is so small <laughs> compared to the size of the ship so we passed that on the way and then you get to Lama Island and its main sort of village I guess um, Alexa was saying that you don't really spend too much time there well it's not I mean the best way to do Lama Island isn't to really spend too much time there like if you go in the morning is the best time based on what we did I think if you go in the morning however early you want so thinking you're going to arrive on the other side of the island at about lunchtime is perfect because then you can have lunch wow that's just my washing machine sounds like a rocket ship taking off <laughs> um, then you can have your lunch on the other side of the island in these amazing amazing seafood restaurants obviously if you don't like seafood don't do this but it was so 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 yum so what we did we landed we landed we docked whatever a ferry does we got there and then you walk through Lama village and like I want to say maybe half of the walk or like a third of the walk is actually just through the island so you get to see a lot of the island houses and where people live and how they live in Lama Island first you walk through like the actual shopping what would you call it like main town area and then you get to sort of the residential area and then you go through the residential area and you hit a beach and essentially every time you get to a point where you could turn you just take the most common looking path like this is for the main hike anyway or the main walk and you follow through you get to a beach and you have to go onto the beach and across the beach you can see it's like if the ocean's to your right you just walk straight across parallel to the ocean and you can see like a path that starts to wind up the hill and that's when you start to get to the more scenic part of it because it's I suppose you're now out of the town and now you're starting to actually climb up and over the island and it is amazing as soon as you get to that beach and you get up that first hill it is honestly like it's just not how you imagined Hong Kong to be there's an extremely large outdoors sort of outdoorsy community in Hong Kong and like a lot of sports a lot of I just want to say exercise because like people love it and there is so much to do outside in Hong Kong, especially on like the surrounding islands. Like we only went to two of, I think Hong Kong's made up of something like 250 islands or I don't know. Let me Google that because someone was telling me when I said we'd been to two islands. Hang on. How many islands are in Hong Kong? I was saying we've been to two and I said it just seems like you know we've only scratched the surface oh here we go and they were like yes there are 263 islands in Hong Kong that are like 
you know, Hong Kong territory, I suppose. Um, Lama Island is quite, oh, it's not huge. It's a relatively big island, like it's not tiny. Say Lantau Island is bigger than Hong Kong Island. Um, like it's quite big, but it's a lot more underdeveloped and things like that. As in Lantau Island has Disneyland, it has Disneyland and the airport and a couple of other things on it. Um, I'll talk, that I'll talk about in a sec, but it's not so much. Excuse me, Diego. Are you done chasing your tail? Diego's just making a racket. And yeah, so Lantau Island isn't so much of a residential, a residential place. I don't think, anyway, I could be totally wrong, but based on what I saw, it wasn't as much. Whereas Lama Island, they have people who commute from Lama Island into central Hong Kong Island for work. Um, obviously, it's a lot less expensive to live on Lama Island and it's only like a half an hour ferry ride every morning. So it really does feel like we only saw such a small part of like greater Hong Kong because we only went to two of the islands, but they are the two main ones and they really give you a good idea of, you know, what the rest of Hong Kong can be like. So we went to Lama Island, we started hiking, like I said, once we got to the more scenic bit and you get up and once you go over the hill, you get to a point where there's a little sign that says beach. I mean, and this hike in total is probably six kilometers six seven so like it's a decent way but you get over the hill and there's a sign that it will take you to the beach and you can go down and around and you sort of walk down this little trail to this gorgeous beach now when we went there was a significant amount of plastic and bottles and just pollution all down the beach which Alexa was saying sorry Alexa was saying was actually quite surprising because usually there are people whose job it is just to, you know, clean up the beach and make sure that it's always clean. Which she said, yeah, she was quite surprised by the amount of plastic. Not surprised that it washes up on the shore, but I suppose surprised that it was just sitting there and no one had really done anything about it because there was just stuff everywhere. Like these big plastic bags, like they like they remind me of horse feed bags, like huge bags, just stuff everywhere but Alexa and I went for a swim it was really really nice water and I kept I found myself like when I'm swimming at the beach in Australia you know how you're kind of just floating and your mouth's open and you like might swallow some water I found myself doing that and then I panicked and I was like like spitting everything out because the quality of water is probably not as um not as pure as Australian beaches, unfortunately, due to the amount of plastic and stuff that sort of gets left in there. But it was so, so nice and like just such a nice experience. I think it made me a lot more appreciative of the beaches we have at home and just how randomly lucky we are that our beaches don't end up in the way, like our beaches just don't happen to be in the part of the world where the plastic ends up being washed up onto them does that make sense like we just seem to be lucky in that maybe because we're so far away from other countries um but yeah it really made me appreciate Noosa Main Beach for its beauty even though it has so many people there I went wow we're really lucky that we don't get the kind of rubbish especially when we create just as much rubbish 
and plastic and pollution as anyone else, but we seem to have lucked out in that we don't actually have to deal with it, which probably isn't good, but I think we would be more conscious of it if the bottles that we used washed up on the beach, you know, every summer. So once we hiked up and over, like we left the beach and continued the hike and we came down into a village of which I cannot remember the name, but we had lunch there at this little seafood restaurant and it was so, 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 so delicious. It was, I don't even know how to describe it. We had like steamed prawns and noodles and some beef in like black bean sauce, that like typical Chinese kind of dish and like a couple of other really really yummy things I'd never tried before mostly because they're not at Uncle Chan's Chinese restaurant in Bundaberg <laughs> but they were really really good and like all I think the seafood was just so delicious because it was so fresh like the calamari that we had was amazing we then took the ferry back to central Hong Kong which again was only like half an hour and you just get such an amazing view of the skyline in Hong Kong from the ocean whether you're taking the star ferry or you're going to Lama Island it's just it really is a not necessarily a unique view as in not a lot of people see it but it's quite unique to be able to get out on the water in a place like that and see the skyline um maybe because there's somewhere else to go you're not just like going out in a boat for no reason but it really is so beautiful especially when you're going to Lantau sorry Lama Island you're essentially going through the I don't know, canal, river, well it's just ocean so I don't think it's a river but you're like going right down the middle instead of crossing over to Kowloon so it's a different again I think than just taking the Star Ferry. So the next day Debbie and I went to Lantau Island which you take the train out there and then we caught a, a gondola up over all the way to where the Big Buddha is and the Big Buddha is like this big Buddha essentially it's this bronze statue that you can climb up and walk around and it's really interesting the way that this what would it be it's not really even a village because nobody lives there but I suppose the destination is set up at the top so you arrive off the gondola and there's this amazing walk you can do which you can essentially see from the gondola as you're going up which would take honestly it must take like a long day to do the whole walk because it's really hilly and it's long but it would be so 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 cool to actually achieve at the end so you get to the end you get to the big buddha and it kind of you walk out in this area that's got like some statues, some like Chinese decoration things. I'm not sure exactly what like they were symbolizing. I don't know if it was like a holiday or whatever. But then there's like food courts and shops. I mean, I'm kind of making this sound like a big deal. There was probably 10 different places for lunch and then you walk past and then you get to like a strip of Starbucks, a souvenir store, like an iced tea place, like just everything along this next strip once you turn around the corner, like a chopstick gallery, like all these different things. 
and then you walk through up and through there and then you, the big buddha is essentially on your right once you get past that but it is quite like i was surprised at how much of a destination it was i suppose you don't just go to see the big buddha which i think obviously they've developed over time but once you get there like there are just really interesting architectural things going on very chinese or maybe very hong kong i'm not too sure you know how you differentiate each but really really beautiful and like a lot of the stonework as well with like the inscriptions and all of that was cool so we went and saw the big buddha we stood at the bottom of the stairs and looked up and debbie said do you want to climb it and i said not really and so we didn't like you can go up the stairs but at the time i just thought well like it was a really foggy day so i always knew sorry i already knew the view at the top wasn't going to be great and like what am i going to see up there that i can't already see from where I'm standing right now I just thought well the big Buddha is probably going to get bigger as I go closer but that's probably it so we decided not to climb it I think you do if you want to climb it I, I think you have to pay I can't fully remember I just realized once we turned around to walk out there was a little bit of there's like a little ticket office or something so you might have to but I'm not 100% sure so then we went across like kind of like across this big square past another like souvenir-y shop to the monastery that's also up there. Now the monastery for me was a huge highlight of that day because it was just stunning. Like it was every color of the rainbow but in a monastery like the outside of it was so so colorful like you you have to just you have to go look at the pictures on the visual guide on the website it was honestly so beautiful i just we walked around it for like half an hour i just couldn't get past like i just had to take it all in it was so 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 cool like so much detail so many carvings all these different things and i think what was quite cool about it was that I wasn't expecting to see it, if that makes sense. So it wasn't as though I knew when I, like I'd seen pictures online and then was going to see it. It was just, I didn't even know it was up there, but it was really, really beautiful. And then they also have the hall of, I think 10,000 Buddhas, I think is it? I think it's 10,000. And it's this huge hall with like six Buddhist statues, like they're huge, these gold statues of think they're probably different buddhist gods i don't really know but when you walk in and you look like they have a little standing area and you see the wall is covered in buddhas so they're in like these little squares and it's just like tiled everywhere again i think i have some video of it so i'll pop it in uh the igtv but it was just so 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 cool and really interesting like it was still a working monastery so there were monks around and they have like a cafe and all these different things so it was really cool to see and I think also again just really cool that I wasn't expecting to see it but it ended up being one of my favorite things. Then we took a bus from the top like the Big Buddha down to a fishing village called Tai O and it is known for it I don't even know how to describe it it's like it smells like fish a lot of fish a lot of dried fish 
um, if you have a weak stomach probably not the best place to go I don't have a weak stomach but the smell is quite overwhelming my bag smelled like fish for like two days afterwards for no particular reason but we walked around there and you kind of walk all the way through and then you get to the stilt village I don't know what it's called the houses on stills anyway I don't know but it's essentially this whole village that there will be photos in as well that you can look at and they're all on the water but they're sitting on stilts and you can walk through these tiny little boardwalks and walk all around it it was just so cool I felt a bit bad when we were there because you could see that the locals didn't love the fact <laughs> that you know it was such a tourist spot and maybe like I don't know how new of a tourist spot it is like I don't know if it's recently become a lot more popular but yeah they just they weren't loving it they never said anything or did anything it was just kind of the looks you got from people I think as you walked past especially if you're taking photos or videos but they were wow I think Diego's trying to break into the house um but yeah the people were lovely and this is obviously only like one or two people that I saw out of the whole day that kind of gave me a weird look but you can tell it, like it is people's homes and that is where they've lived for probably generations so you do just have to kind of be respectful of that and you know it's not just an open tourist attraction that you can walk through every single part so we really made an effort to make sure we were like okay is this somebody's like veranda or is this like a pathway because it can be hard to tell sometimes The last two days I had in Hong Kong were so relaxed and they, they were really fun. We kind of got up late, sort of had late starts to everything and we tried a few different restaurants. We went to this really, really delicious Thai place in Wan Chai that I cannot remember the name of. But it was really, 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 really delicious. We had to wait like half an hour to get in, I think, but there's a little bar around the corner. So we just went and had a drink and then they called us and said, your table is ready so we went there which was amazing and then we had the following day we had a dim sum lunch which I always thought dim sums were literally just like a thing you eat like you know like a dumpling I thought that was like a dim sum which I think they also are in Australia but in Hong Kong if you go and have dim sum it's like going it's like a type of lunch so you go and it, I suppose it's like I describe it as Chinese tapas because you go and you order a bunch of little dishes and you sit down and kind of have a little bit of everything. We had amazing dumplings, like really yummy, I suppose more common things like Chinese food that I would be used to. I have a picture actually, like a, a bird's eye view of our dim sum lunch, so I'll put that in the guide as well. It was so yum, but my favourite thing were these weird... I mean, they weren't weird because they were delicious, but it was essentially like pasta, but rolled up really thin. So maybe like the length of your thumb. They were little tubes, but they were rolled and then they had like sauce on them. I don't even know how to describe them, but they were so, so, so yum. I want to figure out how to make them because they were just, I, I mean, they were pure pasta or maybe they were like rice noodles or I don't know if they were specifically pasta, but it was something like that. So that was really yummy. And then we also did, I went to the Cat Street Antique Markets one morning 
And I gotta say, if you're into old things or antique things like me, these were pretty disappointing. Like, I think I expected it to be a bit more flea markety, but the fact that it's a touristy antique market, obviously, like, things were just real. I guess things were just really expensive for something that I was like, really? I mean, what would I do with this? Like, it wasn't even. And I think the things that were extraordinary, I couldn't bring home. Or like, the, you know, the things that you would actually build into your house, I couldn't bring home because they were too big. I thought it was pretty underwhelming, but I guess it just depends. It's still worth going to look at, I think, but maybe not just... Like, to me, antiques in Australia are quite different to antiques in Hong Kong, I think. Um, but a lot of the vases and a lot of the like pottery and stuff there was absolutely stunning I just wish I could have brought it back with me but I just did not have the space or like the right means to make sure that it didn't break and then on our last night yeah we went to the night markets the Temple Street night markets in I believe TST, TST and Mong Kok are both over in Kowloon and the night markets are really cool. Apparently they're the more relaxed of the two. If you go to the ladies markets in Hong Kong they can be quite um, full on, like the women buying things will kind of like shove you and they yell at you a lot, which is an experience if that's what you, you know, if you're comfortable with that. But if you're easily overwhelmed, I wouldn't recommend going to the ladies markets. But the night markets were really cool. They were nice and relaxed. You could look without being, you know, forced to buy something. And they just had a lot of cool different things, like from all that kind of knick-knacky tourists, like a great place to get presents. <laughs> you kind of go once and then go, oh, okay. If you ever came back to Hong Kong, you'd probably struggle for presents to get people because it's all kind of the same thing. But they've got, you know, like all your fake designer handbags and some beautiful scarves. Like they have, this one lady had the most beautiful cashmere scarves. They were all knockoff prints, but they were, like I got one with like a Burberry print that is so soft and so, so, so comfy. I wish I'd gotten more while I was there. Because even though they're not authentic, they're still, they're some percent of cashmere because they are so soft and comfy and definitely worth it. I also got a bunch of um, hair scarves, like silk scarves that were beautiful and just little things like that that I really didn't expect to find. Um, but the night markets were really cool and then we went and had dinner. Where did we have dinner? Okay, let me think. Because Debbie and I could not decide where to have dinner that night and it took us quite a long time because I think we were going to get Japanese food and then we were going to do something. Oh, that's right. Um, we ended up going, well, yeah, so we're still in Kowloon and at the kind of like near the pier, you walk along the end to what used to be a pier, but it's all like a supermarket now, supermarket, wow, a shopping center and you walk all the way to the end and there's this beautiful restaurant on the left, the name of which I cannot remember. But it has the most amazing view of Hong Kong Island. So, which actually, I'm only just realizing now, we started the trip 
on Hong Kong Island looking over at Kowloon from a rooftop and then we ended the trip at Kowloon looking over Hong Kong Island from a rooftop as well. It was the most beautiful Italian restaurant. We had pizza and pasta and it was just such a great way to end the experience, like the whole Hong Kong experience. I kind of brought it all together. last day in Hong Kong I got up late-ish like 10 o'clock we went and had a coffee Debbie and I went and had some lunch together and then we had another look around Causeway Bay which is near Happy Valley it's further down Hong Kong Island than Happy Valley Happy Valley is back a little bit but Causeway Bay has awesome shops like it's a really great place to go shopping I'd say it was the best place that I went it's overwhelming but if you have the time like it's really difficult to go there if you've only got an hour because you feel like you're not getting around everything but if you've got the time to just look through like there's this tiny little mall right near fashion walk if you're about to walk into fashion walk it's just on the right and you go up these little escalators and they're these tiny shops like tiny 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 like the size of a bathroom pretty much if you think like a big australian bathroom that's the size of these shops and there's like they're all scattered next to each other and around and they sell clothes some of them sell wedding dresses some of them sell jewelry like it's so diverse and it's very Chinese in like in the best way possible like it's all quite quirky and really stylish and stuff like that so that was a really cool one to find and then you go like through fashion walk you get all of the designer stores and like the Nike flagship store all that kind of stuff but then as soon once you turn I'm trying to think of where it is. If you go into Times Square, which is like Times Square in Hong Kong, they have the second biggest, so second to the crossing in Tokyo, the biggest to cross, like pedestrian crossing in the world. This is the second largest in Times Square in Hong Kong. And it's really cool to see as well. So there's loads of shops. Once you cross that big crossing and you head into Times Square, there's just rows and rows of streets lined with different shops like half of them you know half of them you don't or half of them you get the vibe like oh that's like the price line of Hong Kong or whatever but it was re it's such a cool place to experience and even like the higher end shopping centers down to like the cheaper ones they're both just they're so different but they're both such a unique experience that I mean if you like shopping like me it's just so fun to walk around um, obviously if you don't like shopping it's hard to avoid it in Hong Kong I think not that like you're forced to shop but it is I think there's a big culture of it there so a lot of people come to Hong Kong just to go shopping like a lot of people from different Asian countries come to Hong Kong for like the day with suitcases just to go shopping different things like that like they'll catch the train down or something like that but it was really cool. So Causeway Bay was a great place to go shopping. I thought it was easier to navigate than Central Hong Kong. Central Hong Kong is awesome and it's really cool to see. But it's also like very businessy, I guess. So a lot of the buildings are offices and different stuff like that. Whereas when you go to Causeway Bay, it's just like shopping centre after shopping centre with streets lined with shops and stuff like that. So it's a bit easier like everything's a bit closer in Causeway Bay, which makes it a lot easier.
I loved Hong Kong. Genuinely, it was such an awesome trip. I was only there for a week, but it was just so fun. And it's a really accessible place as an Australian. No matter where in Australia you live, I think there are always flights and just, I don't know. It was just, I was just so blown away by how easy the trip was to plan. Like I decided I was going to go five days before I left and it really wasn't a hassle. I think flights, if you were to buy flights in advance on sale, you're probably looking at, or not even on sale, I just think in advance, you could get them for six, $700 return. Um, I think I paid about maybe, I wanna say like it was just around $1,000, like $1,030 or $1,050, I can't remember. But it was somewhere around that because I booked them one week in advance. But if you don't do that and you actually plan your trip a little bit more, you can figure out a great way to get good prices. And one of those ways is if you go onto the Cafe Pacific website, so often I found flying to Hong Kong and other parts of Asia, it's just as cheap to go onto like direct to the Qantas website and the Cafe website. Um, unless Flight Center has a sale, it tends to be about the same price either way and this way you've booked directly through them so it's a little bit easier um, but the Cathay Pacific site has this awesome like grid I think Emirates do it too where it's kind of like a cross thing where the dates along the top is the date you would leave and then and the date that you've chosen is in the middle and then it's like three either side of that and then down the left side in the middle halfway down is the day you're going to come back and it kind of shows you like all the different combinations of when you'd leave and you know you can figure out the cheapest time to fly if you've got flexibility i guess um if not www.cheapflights.com.au is a great way just to find out if there are any cheaper deals going around again same with flight center flight center often I find they're either usually one or the other. They're either significantly cheaper or significantly more expensive. So it's always worth checking Flight Center because it really is just going to depend on who Flight Center has partnerships with and, you know, what sales they've got going on at the moment. But it was such a fun trip and I really do recommend if you have the opportunity to go, go by yourself, find a friend. Oh, that was another thing. Okay, actually, before I go, I need to talk about this. Hong Kong is one of the safest cities in the world and I picked up on that before I was even told that and I had like I've never felt as a young like solo I'm, I guess a young female by myself in a circumstance never felt so safe I think I couldn't even describe what it was to start but I was like just no one pays attention to you so you're never like feeling uncomfortable there's never those circumstances but you just feel so anonymous and I was talking to a guy that had lived there for maybe 20 years or something he's a teacher at a school and he was saying how when like he he's so thankful for that for his kids and for his students but when a lot of the Hong Kong students go and study internationally he said they really have like he really makes a point of saying you've got to understand the rest of the world isn't like Hong Kong and I've never really never really thought of it like that but when if you grow up in Hong Kong you have such a safe and secure environment that obviously, you know, you come and study in maybe in Sydney or in London or something like that. It really is so different. And yeah, that was something I really noticed about Hong Kong was just how safe it was. Taxi drivers are helpful, friendly. Um, it's difficult. Not a lot of them speak English. So 
my tip would be to get a taxi card from wherever you're staying. Um, if you have an Airbnb, just message them beforehand and say, you know, do you have any taxi cards with your address on it? Or if they don't, when you get there, just say, could you write it down for me and tell them so that I can give it to a taxi driver, if that makes sense, so that they know, you know, kind of how to word it and everything. And taxis are really affordable as well. They're all cash, but they're really, really affordable compared to Australia. Alright, that is all we have for episode two. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, just direct message them to the podcast Instagram page, which is at Field Trips Podcast, and I will answer them most likely in a story or something just so that everyone can see them, so people who have the same questions can have them answered as well. Um, but yeah, feel free any questions that clarify what I've said or, you know, if there's anything I missed or anything else you want to know about what we did, where we went, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, just let me know. You can follow us on Instagram at Field Trips Podcast. Um, feel free to leave us a review if you have enjoyed the episode. Um, it's really helpful for the podcast to be found by other people, which I know people say all the time, um, but I think it just shows iTunes that you're not sort of a dodgy podcast that no one listens to. So that will be really helpful. Thank you to all of you who have already rated and reviewed the podcast. It's so helpful. And thank you for the feedback that you guys have given me so far. Again, so helpful. If you have anything you want to send to me, yeah, like leave a review, message me on Instagram, text me I don't care <laughs> anything if you have any ideas um, get in touch because I would love to hear them thanks again for listening guys stay tuned for next week's episode which is going to be about the most formative trip I've ever taken it was a little while ago now but I'm going to take some time to go through um, that trip and why it was so important to me but until then have a great rest of your week bye <laughs>